Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, by way of reminder, the book of Ephesians, if you remember, is divided into two sections, two major sections, and then, and then Paul sort of slips in a third one. It's, it's, it's equally important. It's just not a whole, it's not two or three chapters. It's just a, it's a few verses. Now, here's what we discovered. If you're taking notes, remember, chapters 1, 2, and 3, it gives us the wealth of the believer. The wealth of the believer. This is where Paul explains the wealth we have in Christ. In other words, it's the beautiful benefits of being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And I need to stop right there because you need to understand the context that in the book of Ephesians, Paul's not hoping you become a Christian. He's already assuming you are a believer that you've already gone through Romans, you understood, you've been born again. And as a matter of fact, it was so cool on Wednesday night. If you were not here on Wednesday night, the Lord blew us away, just totally blew us away because we had a bunch of men come from Slayton and they're all sitting here. And uh, man, you could feel just the Holy Spirit. And and, uh, four men got up and responded to the gospel and stood right here and prayed to receive Christ. It was incredible because that's what it's about. Our goal Our goal as a church is to depopulate hell and populate heaven. And we do that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We show him in our lives the peace and the joy. No matter what the circumstances, we show him that God is good and that we love him so much. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so, and so he's already assuming that you're a believer. He's already assuming that you're walking with Jesus. He's already assuming. And so he goes, now, let me just kind of, let me just kind of add some, man, just some icing on the cake. You go, what's that? He says, this is, this is the benefits you have for being a believer. This is the wealth you have. And what he wants us to see is that in chapters one, two, and three, you have to fully understand those because in chapters four, five, and six, he's going to change direction. He says, let me tell you the wealth that you have. Let me tell you that. So, so you understand the wealth that you have so that we're able to do chapters 4, 5, and 6. You have to understand. Now, think about this. I want you just to put on your thinking caps for just a moment. Think about just, I'm going to give you just a taste of what we went through and what God has done for you. Think about this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says this. Just as he chose us... In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know what the benefit of that is? Think about this. God chose you. God chose you in himself before the world was ever created. Oh, what? He chose me. That's what the word of God says. I'm walking in him and God goes, hey, hey, I choose you. I choose you. And isn't that just a sweet, sweet, um, just a peace in our spirit? Because think about this. We all want to be chosen. We want to be loved. And so God says, hey, I choose you. Before, before the world is ever done, RJ, I choose you. Ah, oh, yes, Lord. Yes. And then he says in, in verse 5, he says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Here's the benefit. He already predestined us as his children. Oh, listen, it's our job to share the gospel with whoever will listen. But God 
has already predestined those that, that now, now let me just talk about predestined, okay? It's, it's really simple. God says, you all are my children. I've got, I've bought all this piece of land for you to live in, but I'm not going to make you live there. You're going to have to want to. I'm going to give you a free will. And he predestines us to live with him, but then he loves us enough to give us a choice. And you'll have people raise their hand and go, no, thank you. I'm going to move out, Lord. I'm going to move over here. I'm going to move over here. But, but he's giving you that opportunity. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. Think about that sweet time when you said yes to Jesus and the scales fell from your eyes and your heart and you felt so light. You're just like, wow, this thing is real. He predestined you and you're like, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And then in verse 7, he says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What does that mean? Man, he sent his son his only son to die, therefore to atone for our sins. The next time you mess up, and we will, and the devil comes and says, man, you're such a loser. You can't, I can't believe you're a Christian. And he does that. He tells us, you, you're a loser. You're messed up. I don't even know. You, you shouldn't even call yourself a Christian the way you think. You just point to the cross, guys, and go, that's why Jesus died. If I was perfect, I wouldn't need him. So get on my face, okay? Tell Satan that. Get on my face. That's why. Because here he is. He sent his son to die and atone for my sins. But what we need to do is that we don't stay here. We repent. We turn from our sins and we run back to Jesus. I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen. At Calvary Chapel, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. We've got to move back to the Lord and walk in Him because He has the best plan for our lives. Then in chapter 2, verse 4, here's the benefits. It says, But God who is rich in mercy because of His great love for which He loved us, here's what He says, He made us alive spiritually. Do you remember that? Do you remember your B.C. days this is before Christ? Before Christ, you wanted to punch somebody in the throat, right? That was you. But now, after Christ, you want to hug them and love on them even though you don't like them. You're just like, it's, He's made you alive spiritually. You understand that. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. God is so, so good. Yesterday, man, we, um, my, my granddaughter had a birthday party and they ended up at Bahama Bucks. And so, uh, being the helicopter, uh, grandparents we are, we followed them to Bahama Bucks and we sat there and we had our own little and we're watching and she didn't care. She loves us. But this guy comes in and you know that he didn't have any money. You know that he was walking. You know it was 106 degrees. And he sort of walked in and he, I don't know why he looked at me, he just kind of looked at me and he's just like, and I was just like, I don't know you, that's weird. But I just stayed looking at him and I know, and here's what I observed. He walked up, he sat there for a good 10, 15 minutes, then walked up to the, and he said, how much is this, this, and this? Young kid, young kid, you know? And then he's like, and then he sort of backed off and uh, then he came and sat down at the table again. And I'm watching all this and I'm talking to Corden, I'm watching all this and and then we're about to leave, and I get up and I go, hey, you don't have any money? Because I don't have any money. And I said, here, here's five bucks. Get you something, you know, cold. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Cordy goes, Grandpa, I'm, I'm, I'm about to cry. Why did you do that? And why did we do that, church? Because the Spirit is alive in us. God is alive, and, and it's like, wow, Lord. And, and, and that's what you do when you're... When you're Sensitive to the Spirit, you, you go, wow, let me, let me help. Let me help. For him, 
it bought him some ice. But what it showed my daughter, or my granddaughter, is that God is real, and that he speaks to us, and that there's good in the world. You understand, our kids, our grandkids are growing up in a world full of evil, and everything at them is hate, hate, evil, this, this, and this. And we, being spiritually alive because of what what the Lord has done, we need to come in and say, hey, there's good in the world. And who's that good? It's Jesus. The only good in me is Jesus. And it's still, it's still progressive sanctification, which means I'm going to be a little bit more like Jesus every day. I'm not there yet, haven't made it. But I, I plan to get there one day. You go, well, when do we graduate? When I take my final breath and, I'm, and then I'm glorified. And the Lord's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Now, I can't stand before the Lord and go, well, let me show you my resume, Lord. Listen, I pastored a church in Calvary. Calvary, Lubbock. You remember Lubbock? Yeah, that was hard. Enough. I mean, the people in Lubbock. Just... <laughs> you know, how much is that house? Because Lubbock. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't do that. I just go, Lord, you're so good. You did that. You did that. You did that. He made me alive spiritually. He made you alive spiritually. You know the difference. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, and here's the key. Listen, if you get nothing else, get this. God gave you a purpose, a reason to live, a reason to be here. You're not just some random, well... Well, I cannot believe, I saw this the other day, maybe you've seen it, but there's a young lady who's now adopting kids that sued her parents because they didn't ask her if she should be born or not. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here rubbing my forehead until there's nothing left going, are you serious? Well, nobody asked me if I should be born, and so she literally sued her parents because they didn't ask her in the womb whether she should come to life or not. And now she's... <laughs> mm. No, no, here's the thing. Today, you have a purpose in your life. You're here for a reason. God doesn't randomly go, Oh, no! <laughs> ben, I didn't know he was coming. <laughs> we better, we better do something. He goes, no, 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 i got a plan and a purpose for you. i got a plan and a purpose. I've told you this many years Many years ago, how God spoke to me in a dream, and I was in a truck, and I was witnessing on the back of the bed, and I'm telling people about Jesus, and people are getting in the truck. And when I stood here Wednesday night, and I was praying with these four young men, man, I could just see that dream. I'm on the bed of the truck saying, get in the truck. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. The sad part about my dream is on this right side, not you, Jeremiah, but on the right side, there were men like this going, you know, they had their arms crossed. Like, you know, when you cross them, you're not open. To the gospel, and I remember looking, and I'm trying to convince them. Other people are getting in, but that's okay. That's okay. So then Paul does something incredible. Do you remember in in the first three chapters, he prays for us, guys. He prays for us specifically. And one of his prayers, he says, "I I love the fact that Paul doesn't go, hey, I I need to pray that so and so is off drugs." I need to pray that so-and-so's marriage is, is, uh, it, it gets better. He says, no, 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 I want to go deeper than that. He, he prays that we would be strengthened in our inner man. He knows that we need to be, that, that his strength, and for the spirit. He prays that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. 
He prays that we should be rooted and grounded in love. And he prays that our hearts to grasp, and here's the key, the greatness of God's love, Christ's love for you. And he would be pray, and he prays that you and I would be filled with the fullness of God. So why didn't he pray that Joe or Steve or, or whoever it might be be set free from drugs? Because he's already assuming that you're walking with Jesus and, and that you need the strength and you need to continue to walk in the strength. Well, are you saying that it's wrong to pray for so-and-so? Who's... No, 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 I'm not saying we, we pray for those to be, to be set free, delivered from drugs. But we need to go deeper. We need to pray that, that, that men and women are walking and their foundation is tight. Here's why. Listen, listen, here's why. The world has changed. The world has changed. Okay, every one of us in this room can attest this, the world has changed over the last four years. It's been changing literally since the 80s. We just hadn't seen it. This is sort of, oh, little. And now it's like, hello. And it's evil and it's awful and it's anti Christian. You understand it's anti-you. For you to stand and say, I am a fully devoted follower of Jesus, the world goes, oh no, you're my enemy. That's what the world is. And so it's changed. And so Paul says, listen, in order for you to walk in the fullness of God, you need to be strengthened. You need to do your push-ups, spiritually speaking. You need your pull-ups, spiritually speaking. You need to get out there and run. Oh, I don't run. You have to, spiritually speaking. Physically, too, but that's a whole other sermon. So that's chapters 1 through 3. The second section of the book of Ephesians, chapters 4, 5, and 6, here's what we learned. We learned about the wealth of the believer first, and now we're going to learn the walk. We learned how to walk in believers. You go, what do you mean? Do you realize in chapters 4, 5, and 6, there are 41 imperatives 41 commands. This is what you need to do. Okay, you understand how awesome God is and how what he's done for you? You go, yes! He goes, okay, now this is how you need to behave. This is how you need to behave. This is how you need to behave. What he's saying is that he's, he's oh, come on, come on, church. He's calling us to walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus. He's calling us to walk worthy. There are a lot of things that Paul commands us to do. The only way we can do it is when we fully understand the relationship we have with God. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Well, remember this. Rules without a relationship equals rebellion. Rules without a... Don't do that. Oh, I, I can... I'm, and, and, and again, it's rebellion because we don't have a relationship. So when you have a relationship and, say, and Paul goes, hey... Here, here's the command. Here, here's what you need to do. You go, amen, thank you, Lord. I'm not going to do that. But remember this, too. A relationship without rules equals chaos. Equals chaos. That's why, mommies and daddies, you have rules in your house. That's why you have rules. Because, because children will, will, it'll be chaos. If they, children are not designed to, to, or have the brain capacity to rule the roost. They think they do, but if you don't give them guidelines, what'll happen, it's chaos. So they go, well, I got a great relationship with mom and dad. I can do whatever I want. And you can't. God goes, no, 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 no. You and I go, well, I have a relationship with God. I can do whatever I want. It's chaos, is it not? 
well, I'm under grace. And so, no, grace is not a license to sin. It's chaos. So rules without a relationship, rebellion. That's why you get a lot of people real legalistic. Well, this is what God said. It's like, no, no. Here's the difference, and this is what God's putting in my heart. Here's the difference, okay? The difference between a relationship with the God that loves you and religion is religion says, oh, I've messed up. Don't tell dad. But a relationship says, oh, I've messed up. I need to tell dad. That's a relationship that we need to have with our Heavenly Father. That's the big difference. That's the big difference. So we have wealth. You go, amen. We have walk. And then he says, oh, by the way, there's warfare. There's warfare. So starting in chapter 6, verse 10, we discover that there is a battle. It's called spiritual warfare. Now go with me to verse 10 so we get a good understanding. He says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you guys remember that? The world wiles there is craftiness. It's deceitfulness. It reminds me of what my Jesus said. My Jesus told me back in Matthew 24, he said, what's going to look like in the end times? He says, don't be deceived. The enemy is trying to deceive us. Be very, very careful. Be careful with something called IA, artificial intelligence. Be careful that IA is not trying to rewrite the Bible and take away everything that we don't like. It's like going to a buffet and going, ooh, I don't like broccoli. Ooh, I don't like this. I just want this. we got to take from Genesis to Revelation everything the Word of God has for us. But be careful with AI, artificial intelligence. We have to be above this, guys. Why? Because we were talking about this at the table earlier this morning. And think about this. They can make an AI. They can take my voice. Can you imagine? Take my voice and make an artificial intelligence and, and somehow on a phone or, a, or some sort of media device, get it over to my granddaughter or my grandson and say, well, grandpa wants to take you for ice cream and da-da-da-da-da. And, and trying to deceive them into a place where they don't need to be. We've got to be careful. What do we do? With our children, with our grandchildren, with our young adults, we have to have code words. We have to be above the game. Why? Because they're, they're trying to deceive us. They're trying to deceive us. And he says, now, we've got to put on the full armor so that we can stand against the craftiness. And you go, why? Here's why. Listen. Why do we need to be careful? Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Well, how? How do we fight this spiritual battle? Well, two weeks ago, we talked about this. Let me give you a refresher. Verse 13. He says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand... Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith in which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's your attention, please. We talked about this. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. Church, listen to me. I've sat behind, I've, I've, I've stood behind this pulpit for many, many years and warned you that when you take that step to follow Jesus with all of your heart, there will be a spiritual battle against you. 
and usually it comes from your blind side. Like you're very aware of stuff and, and you don't see it coming. And, and, and again, remember, there's, there's spiritual battle. So we have to have, we have to have the full armor of God. And Paul says in verse 13, he reiterates the purpose of putting on the armor. What's the reason? So that we're able to stand. We're able to stand. We're able to stand. And, and, and he says this, that you and I would be able to stand when the evil day comes. I think the evil day's here. And we got to have the armor. Now, understand the armor of God. Every piece of equipment in the armor is, is designed for the front because God has never required us to turn and retreat. He says, just stand. I'm not asking you to go and, 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 and start chopping off heads. Just stand. Just stand. Reminds me of Peter. Do you guys remember Peter in the garden? The garden of Gethsemane. Here comes a legion of Romans, so 600, and there's Peter with his little knife. Come on, I'll take all of you on. Bring it, you know, as Peter, right? And then Peter decides, I don't know what, I, some commentary said he was trying to cut off the head, and he got the ear. That's how bad of a swordsman he is. Yo, Pete, what'd you do? Well, I'm a fisherman. I'm, I don't know if Pete talks like that, but he's like, I'll get to heaven. He's be like, why are you talking to me like that? But Pete tried to cut off the head, but he cut off the ear, and it's like, no, 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 listen, listen. Pete, just stand. Just stand in the power of Jesus. Why? Because when the soldiers came and said, and he said, hey, who are you looking for? And he goes, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, that's me. They all fell down. Clink, 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 clink. <laughs> I was like that. And he's like. And so all Pete had to do was stand. All he had to do was stand. So that's the purpose, guys, to stand. You go, well, what does stand mean? It means to abide, to appoint, to continue, to establish. It means to maintain our ground, not yielding or fleeing. And this is the aim of the Christian soldier. This is what he means. Just stand. Just stand. What does the world tell you? Hey, man, if you get in a fight, you strike first, right? I mean, Cobra Kai, strike first, strike back. You know, no mercy, sir. That's kind of, kind of how the world goes. But Jesus says, stand, just stand. Over in James, what does he say? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Just resist, just, just stand, just stand, just stand. We don't need to be on no witch hunt, we just need to stand. We have enough problems as it is walking out that door being a believer. We don't need to be finding any, just stand is what the Lord is saying. Put on the whole armor of God. Okay, and he goes, well, what's the armor? Well, first and foremost, and this is important, guys, especially in a world of AI and especially in a world of, of just, just media. Put on the belt of truth. What is truth? You're not getting the truth. Right? I don't know why that, you, you, what came to your mind when I said that? You can't handle the truth. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole other thing, right? But, but put, on, put on the belt of truth. Whatever you read, whatever you see, whatever comes through your eye gate, your ear gate, make sure you filter it through truth. The truth of the Word of God. You don't just soak it. That's the problem, guys. Here's how we, this is how the world is going to be deceived. They're just going to follow what everybody else is doing. They're just going to follow. Well, Philip said it was, that's the way to go. Philip's, uh, Philip's a pretty smart guy. I'll just do what he says. And then, then, and we're not filtering it through any truth. We need to filter it through truth, the truth of the Word of God. 
What does that mean? We pray, God, is this true? Is this true? God, help me. Help me to see. And sometimes when, when, when you feel like God is silent, don't move. Well, I haven't heard God. I'm just going to step up. Don't move. It's okay. Because he says another part of the, of the armor is the breastplate of righteousness, guys. The breastplate. What does that cover? It covers your heart. It covers your heart. You see, that's what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to break your heart. And then turn around and tell you, God did that, didn't he? If God really loved you, he wouldn't break your heart like that. You wouldn't feel sad. You wouldn't feel emotions. You wouldn't feel all this. So the breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness, we, we protect our heart. And he says, hey, make sure you have the shoes of the gospel that we're walking. We're walking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's, it's the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also the great. But we're walking that. We're walking that. Man. Do you guys remember King Asa in the Old Testament? King Asa, the Bible says that he got a foot disease and he ended up dying from that. And King Asa, man, should have been walking the gospel. And yet he was walking in his own flesh. He had the Lord. The Lord said, I'll take care of you. The Lord said, I'll destroy the enemy. And what he did is he went out and he said, no, 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 let me see. Let me manipulate. Let me go ahead and get, me, hey, I'll pay you to come help us. And he walked in the flesh, and man, what a... God's calling us to walk in the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection. He also says, have the shield of faith. Why do we need the shield of faith? Well, he says, we have to have the shield to block the fiery darts. You know, those fiery darts. Listen, sometimes you... I don't know if this has ever happened to you, probably just me, but... There are times when I'm praying and I can think of some of the most awful stuff in my mind. I'm praying! And something will come out. Oh, It's like, no, that's a fiery dart coming in your mind. And you've got to take every thought captive, but you've got to use the shield of it. The enemy says, hey! Wow. And, and, and that's what he says. We have the shield of faith. Then he says the helmet of salvation. What, why should I have a helmet? Because it, it protects my mind, doesn't it? It protects my mind, and, and it protects my head. Why? Because what I think becomes what I believe. So I want to protect this. It's the helmet of salvation. Many of our children have gone the way of the world because they never protected what they thought. The devil came in and they started to dwell on things that were not true. And then next thing you know, it became what they believed. And it breaks our heart. So we have to, you have to protect your mind. You have to protect your mind. And then he says, not only that, but you have the sword, the sword of the Spirit. So you've got the shield, now you've got a sword. The sword is like, okay, if he comes at me, I'm going to stand, but I'm not just going to stand here. I'm going to take the sword of the Spirit. And he goes, these, these are the things you need. But I get a picture sometimes of us as believers. We've got the shield of faith. We've got the sword of the Spirit. We've got the helmet. We've got everything on. And we're ready to go. And we get scared. And we drop everything. And we run. And we hightail it out. And the enemy comes in like a flood and wants to destroy us. 
Men, if we're going to be men, we need to put on the full armor of God. If we're going to protect our wives, we need to put on the full armor of God. Men, we have to rule our hell, our houses well. And the only way we can do it is standing with the shield of faith. We have everything on and we go, okay, baby, I know you got your own shield, but I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of my kids because that's how God designed it. We have to be our protector providers. So we put on the whole armor of God, and yet we learn in that they're spiritual. It's spiritual in context. There's not a... Um, there's not a breastplate that you put on. I mean, and so it's spiritual. It's spiritual. What does the armor do? It gets us battle ready. Battle ready. And two weeks ago, we left off right here. But wait, like, like the Ginsu knives? There's more. Hold on, okay? Get your credit card out ready because there's more. We're going to throw in some really good stuff. You go, what's that? You see, if we're going to be battle ready, God gives us one more weapon to fight with. You go, what's that? It's the all-inclusive weapon of prayer. Prayer. Now, put your thinking caps on, because Paul taught us in Corinthians, he said this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What did he say? He said the weapons that we have as believers, they're not worldly. They're not something you can pull. He says they're not carnal, but they're God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy strongholds and we destroy false arguments. So let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about prayer. Paul is going to ask for prayer, as well as he continues to witness to all those around him. And he says, pray that I would speak boldly the gospel to anyone who would listen. Now, think about this. Paul has been witnessing. Paul has been zealous for God. Even before he was saved, he was zealous for God. Then he got saved, so he's zealous for Jesus. He understands the way. Why would Paul even ask for prayer? He's got this. He's got this. Now, what you need to know, what you guys need to know, is that I have been teaching the Bible at this church for almost 20 years. And I still get nervous to come up and preach the gospel and teach the Bible. You go, no, 20 years you still do? I still do. I have to be so dependent on God that I can't just go, listen, I, I can sit in my office and I can put a message together because I've been doing it for so long. And the Lord has let me at some times. There's times I'm up here and I preach and I'm looking at your faces and you're all like this. And I walk off, I'm going, Lord, I am so sorry. I, I, I was in the flesh. That was not good. That, and God uses it. There's always some precious saint comes up. Oh, that was so good. I really just want. I'm like, really? Man, if I could have a redo, I would redo that one. That was horrible. So I have to be dependent on God for everything. God... How many people are you going to give us Sunday? I have to be ready. I have to be ready. Do you realize, church, do you realize your pastor has got to give an account for all of you? I mean, think about it. Ben, what did you teach RJ? Well, RJ was hard to teach. He just said, Lord, 
What did you say? <laughs> it's true. Uh, but on a serious note, he says, you teachers, I'm going to judge a little bit stricter because I'm, I'm telling you what you need to teach them. And so the nervousness doesn't come from me being able to speak in front of people. The nervousness comes from God. I need to be, I need to be so dependent on your Holy Spirit. I need to be so dependent. Guys, it's not, it's not the fact that I've been doing it 20 years that makes me comfortable behind the pulpit. It's the fact that oh, it's God's Holy Spirit. And that's when, I mean, and that's why I can't take credit when you walk out of here and go, man, that was a good sermon. That was a good message. Your message hit home. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Because if you look at my notes, there's things in here that I say that weren't on my notes, but it was God's Holy Spirit. So Paul says the same thing. Paul goes, listen, this is Apostle Paul. And he's saying, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Now, as I was thinking about prayer, I was like, okay, Lord, this is going to be, this could be deep. This is going to be deep. So, so I decided, let me get a little funny, Lord. Let me, if, if they don't mind, let me get a funny. And I, and I went on the internet and I typed in, I said, the funniest prayer requests from little kids. Aren't they the cutest thing? These are the funniest prayer requests from little kids. Here's the first one. You ready? Here's the little kid praying. Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. How about this? Dear God, please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I'll do better in school. How about this one? Please forgive me for hiding my sister's doll, and please don't tell her where it is. (laughs) Some of your siblings, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. (laughs) Dear God, can you get me a smartphone? Santa must have forgot. I saw my big brother walking out of the shower on accident. God, can you please erase that from my brain? (laughs) Dear God, when will my sister stop being annoying? I'm down to my last patience. (laughs) Dear God, I promise to never say those words again, at least until my next shots. (laughs) Dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you. Dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. But on a more serious note, listen to the way Paul related what we need to live as Christians and, and to have the, the armor of a Roman soldier used for war. So following that, he now tells us that we need to do with our spiritual armor. You go, what's that? Number one, he teaches us that we need to wear it as part of our everyday Christian life. You go, what does that mean? Don't take the armor off. Okay, I'm going to bed. Put <laughs> my shield. Don't take it off. He's telling us that we need to put the armor into action, and he's going to teach us that primarily done through prayer, through prayer. So with that, we're all going to look at a couple of verses. Let's jump in. If you're taking notes or you didn't get a um, bulletin, the title is Armed and Ready. Verse 18. 
Paul writes, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Your attention, please. Paul gives us a primary weapon to be battle-ready. You know what it is? It's prayer. It's prayer. Well, you go, well, what it, okay, okay, so what exactly is prayer? What exactly is prayer? Is it just like me? You know, because I've done all kinds of praying. Some of you will take a walk around the park and you'll pray. Lord Jesus. Some of you will get on your knees and you'll pray. Some of you can pray with your mind and a word won't come out. Some of you bow your head, some of you lift your head. So what is prayer? Well, the word here is very interesting because it's made up of two words. It's made up of two words, and the first word is pros, pros, P-R-O-S, and it means a strength form. It's a preposition of direction. So, so you're praying, but you're literally what? You're praying upward. You're, 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 okay, okay, I know who I'm praying. Now, prayer always starts with faith. You gotta have faith to pray. I mean, you can just say a lot of words, but who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Man, do you ever have this problem? Where your wife's talking to you and you've left the room, but she's still talking. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't hear you. I mean, she's in the bathroom, I'm way in the living room, and she's still talking. She's, anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. But here's the point. We pray with direction. We look up. And then the other word, and I can't pronounce this, it's yukumai, U-C-H-O-M-A-I, and it's the verb form, so we know it's action, and it means to wish or to pray or to will. You go, Ben, what does it mean? Just give me the meaning. I don't know why you're saying all that. Here it is. To pray to God, what Paul's saying, praying always, is, is basically, um, it's to supplicate. You go, what is supplicate? It means to beg for something. That's the first thing. He says, but not only that, it means to worship. How many of you realize that prayer is worship? Well, no, I thought worship was the time that we spent singing. That's what we call worship. Prayer is worship. Here's worship. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So he's saying, worship at all times. <coughs> worship. Worship. And then the last word he uses is earnestly seek God. Earnestly seek God. Notice what it says. He says, praying, there's that word, always. So you're begging with direction, saying, God, please. And you're begging, and you're worshiping, and you're seeking God. You're seeking God. He says, with all prayer, all prayer, all prayer. Paul is exhorting us, church, listen, here's the weapon you're going to need, is prayer. Is prayer. And he says, pray in the Spirit, and here's what it means, at all time and every occasion. Every occasion. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a good amen? amen? You say that, but how many of you pray for your parking space at Walmart? Pastor Ben, seriously? It's a parking space. Well, Paul just said pray for every occasion. Hey, I'm going to go to the store. Lord? You go, Ben, that's silly. I've been known to pray for my parking space. Lord, give me a good parking space right in front. This is, oh, amen. <laughs> this is good. But let's go a little bit deeper. If for some reason the Lord has you going to the grocery store, 
How many of us prayed for a divine appointment? Lord, if there's somebody there that really needs, that's hopeless, it's hopeless. Do you guys remember, do you remember when the, the pandemic first started? This was like March of 2020, and, and all of a sudden, people had no idea what was going on, and all they knew was going to the grocery store to buy food. Do you remember that? I remember going into the grocery store, and I saw people just bewildered, just lost. They're like, you know, people are hoarding up all the, all the macaroni, and, and there's things, in, and the shelf is empty, and they're walking around like this. I mean, I mean seriously, there, and I just saw such a hopelessness in people's heart and in their face because we had no clue. We thought this was the end. But I wonder how many of us, if we're praying at all times and all occasions, do we pray, Lord, if there's somebody at, 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 at the United, there's somebody at the Walmart, there's somebody wherever we're going, Lord, if, 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 man, if you want to use me, give me a divine appointment. Church, listen, this, this is what it means to pray. When you get up in the morning and you have a busy day, Back in the day, I think, I think Larry's the only one who has a Franklin planner these days, but back in the day, you used to open your Franklin planner. Do you remember, a Frank, you remember the planner? And you mark down what you have to do? <laughs> Some people are shaking their head no. I used to use a Franklin planner. But a lot of times you just go, God, here's my day. But you have full access to change this if you want to. And Lord, I'm going to go to the hospital and visit people, and I'm, I'm allowing you an hour to go do this. And the Lord's like, I need more than an hour. Are we open to that? Lord, you decide. But, but here's the problem. When the day gets thrown off, come on, I'm the same way. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at me. When the day gets thrown off, it throws me off completely. Instead of going, wow, Lord, that was awesome. Even though it took four hours out of my day, I go, what? Now I have to hurry enough to do this, and now I'm thrown way behind you. Like, oh. Really? Ben, go back to the drawing board. Pray. 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 Now, here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to think about. If I went over to Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, put on this armor. Jimmy's like, yeah. And he's putting on the breastplate and all this. If I gave him armor alone, but he didn't have energy to fight, then he's just a guy in armor. You go, yeah. Yeah. If I went over to Yvonne, Yvonne, put on the breastplate of rice, put on the helmet of come on. But she doesn't have the energy to fight and stand in the battle, then it's just... You go, Pastor, what's your point? Well, here's what Warren Wearsby says. I have to give credit where credit's due. He says, armor and weapons are not sufficient to win the battle. There must be energy to do the job. Our energy comes from prayer. We use the sword of the Spirit and we pray in the Spirit... And the Holy Spirit empowers us to win the battle. See, you got it on, but the prayer is that energy. That energy. And Paul reminds us, he reminds us how to pray in perilous times. How to pray. Let me give it to you real quick. You guys, we went through this. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And from the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you be rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him is able to, to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory of the church of Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. He says, amen. Man, that's a prayer for perilous times. That's a prayer to be strengthened, to walk in it. Lord, I pray that. That's something that should be marked up in our Bibles, guys, that should be highlighted. That's something that we should put on a note card that we should be praying every day. Lord, strengthen the inner man. Lord, help me to know this. But my question to you is prayer, is that, is that ever an afterthought for believers? You, you know how it is, right? We are, we are such humans that when something goes down, we will do everything within our resources to try to take care of it. And then we go, well, have you ever heard this? Well, I might as well pray. Well, I guess we should pray. And we do it after. Well, when did you pray? Well, I made eight phone calls to buddies that tried to help me, and I did this, and I, and I got on social media, and I asked, and, and um, O-N-I-S-O, uh, in search of, and then we do all this, and nothing happens, and so we go, well, I guess I should pray. And what Paul is telling us, guys, and, and again, he's saying that it should not be an afterthought. It should be, it should be the primary source for believers. Hey, listen, if, if you want to be weird, anybody want to be weird in here? You're like, I want to be weird. Pray first. Something happens to go down. So, oh, oh, hold on. I need to pray. I need to pray. You know how weird you would be if you got a flat tire and you said, just praying, just praying first. Now, you're not praying that God would miraculously fill your tire up. It's flat. God. But we are praying that he would take us to the right people and do the right things and not to be deceived and not to get ripped off and all that good stuff. Lord, just pray. And I'm being silly with a flat tire, but I want you to think of your life and the bigger things in your life that we should run to God in prayer first. Prayer first. Paul says we should pray in the Spirit. We should pray in the Spirit. You go, what does that mean? Ready? Ready? It means to be filled with God's Holy Spirit and follow His guidance. How many of us, you don't have to answer, but how many of us ever prayed knowing what we were going to do <laughs> even before we prayed? Well, I'm going to do this and this, but let me just ask God if it's okay. And the Lord says, no, that's not what I want. No, but Lord, this, I think this is a good way. No, I don't know. Lord, here I am, and uh, I want to follow your guidance. Follow your guidance. So, permission to step on toes? You're like, uh, no, okay, well. How's your prayer life? You see, when I was writing this down, I said, I believe all of us can use some work, myself included. But I also felt like there are some guidelines that we need to learn, and so I want to give you some. I've got I've got ten of them very quickly, but these are some like these are some guidelines for an effective prayer life. We'll go through them real fast, I promise. Number one, decide on a consistent time and place to pray. Decide, going, okay, so I'm gonna pray. Some of you are morning people. Ah! 
Some of you are going, I'm not a morning person, I'm a night person, I'll do night. And you're better off to pray at night, but you've got to spend some time. I'm going to spend some time praying. Decide on that. Number two, you may have to schedule your prayer time. Get your Franklin planner out and say, I'm praying. You might have to do that. It's good for effect. But sometimes we need that, right, church? Sometimes we need to schedule this in. This is just how we work. Like, listen, she's not in here. She's in children's ministry. But my wife is a list person. She's a list person. I don't like that. Because there's always a list. But she'll write a list, and then she scratches it off as she goes. She's a list person. She has to, this is how she does. And I'm like, let's just have fun. <laughs> let's, just do, let's just go eat. But sometimes... The reason my wife gets a lot of things done is because she's a list person. How about this? Go to a private and quiet spot to pray. How about this? Pray for God's help before you get started. Lord, help me to pray. Why? Because we are so distracted, aren't we? You could be in your room, and you could be looking up, and you could be praying and going... I never noticed there was a crack on that ceiling. You know, you know, I would change this room. I think I should paint, paint it. But let me get my phone out and let me see if Home Depot has some paint. This, oh, I like that color. And you're going, what were you doing? You were praying. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Lord. So we're so dis- so you've got, you, you've got to do this. Oh, here's one. You ready? Turn your phone off or leave it on the dresser. Oh, pastor, that's not a problem because I got my watch. That's the point. The point is is that, man, you go to pray. You said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And your phone will go at 4.30 in the morning. Bing! Somebody's texting you. You're like, <laughs> you know that. So we have, to, we have to take some time. These are just, again, think about it. If this is your spiritual weapon, what do you think the enemy's going to do? Let me take that out of your hand. And so we got we to be, oh, okay, how about this one? Pray and read the Bible at the same time. Dialogue with the Lord. Not just asking. Dialogue. Lord, here's what your word says. Is this me? And, and you're praying. How about this? Number eight, start with praise and end with praise. Start with praise and end with praise. Number, uh, what number are we? Whatever we're on. Listen to God's voice. Listen for God's voice. Number nine or ten, whatever one we're on. Focus on spiritual needs before physical needs. Why? This is what Paul told us in chapter three. He said, I'm praying for your spiritual first. And then I wrote this down. Employ, if it's hard for you, employ the acts for prayer. You go acts, yeah, A-C-T-S. What is A-T? Start with adoration, A. Move to confession, C. Then you have thanksgiving, and then S is supplication. So the asking is last. You first pray. Praise the Lord. Give him all honor. Because why? Because that's not who we are, are we? That's not who we are. We come in and say, dear Lord, please do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. Please do that. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. And we run off and we, we forget that he's God. And so there should be adoration. Because if not, you ready? Stepping on toes here, my toes, then God just becomes a vending machine. 
for prayer. Put my coin in. This is the prayer I want. Let's go. Thanksgiving, we should have an attitude of gratitude. And then we pray. And we, Lord, here it is. So Paul says, pray. Here's the spiritual weapon. But he also says, he says, but be watchful. Be watchful. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. You guys ready? Jot this down. Circle that word in your Bible in, in that verse um, because it means not sleeping. Not sleeping. That's what it means. You go, wait, 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 what, what? Um, let me go back up. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and don't sleep. You're like, Pastor, you don't have to worry about that. I don't sleep anyway. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in a spiritual sense. Don't sleep. You go, what does that mean? Well, jot this down. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Guys, what Paul is teaching us today is to stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, ready? Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. So what should I do? Pray. Watch. Be watchful. Pray. Stay awake. Pray. 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 It was Gordon Hinckley who said, quote, Let us never forget to pray. God lives. He is near. He is real. He is not only aware of us, but cares for us. He is our Father. He is accessible to all who will seek Him. Mother Teresa said this, Prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at at His disposition and listening to His voice with the depths of our heart, end quote. So we need to be pray, we need to be awake. These are things we need for the spiritual battle. And then he finishes up in verse 19. He says, and for me. So Paul says, pray for me. What do we need to pray for you, Paul? That utterance may be given to me, that it may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What does Paul say? He says, pray for me. Pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and the good news for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. Pray for Paul. Paul says, listen, (laughs) I want the right words. I would ask and employ that you all pray for your pastor every time that he comes behind this pulpit. You see, the gift that God gives us is a beautiful thing to be able to communicate the gospel in ways that people aren't falling asleep. It's just, it's a good gift. But the teaching comes from the Holy Spirit and having the right words for what you need each and every week. So it's not like, why go to this church? Because that pastor's really funny. Why go to this church? Because he's really entertaining. He makes me laugh. (laughs) Oh, I go to this church. You go, I go to the church and I pray for my pastor. And I pray for every teacher behind the pulpit because I want to learn God's word. And God, well, he's amazing because he chooses the foolish things, hello, to confound the wise. But the Holy Spirit is your teacher. 
The Holy Spirit is your teacher. So when you come and pastor says, hey, jot this word down, it's, it's for your benefit, for your growth. That's what he's saying. And then notice verse 20, guys. Paul says, I am in chains now, still preaching the message of God as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep preaching boldly for him as I should. You know what verse 20 would be for me? Can you make some calls? Maybe get me out of here? Uh, hello? Isn't there anybody powerful? Does anybody know? Uh, who's, a, who's ahead of Caesar? I mean, is there somebody above him? Could we, you know? And you go, Ben, that's silly. It is silly, but that's how we are, aren't we? Get me out of here. Paul says, listen, I'm in prison. I'm in chains. Pray. Pray. Now, I want you to think what he said in verse 20. Verse 20 is key, guys. And we're about to close, so, so don't worry. Paul is asking for prayer. So we should not only pray for who? We should not only pray for ourselves, but we should pray for others as well. Paul is saying, the weapon I need to proclaim the gospel lies within me. Here's the weapon, prayer. But it also lies within you to pray for me. To pray for me. But let's dig a little bit deeper. What's Paul asking? What's he asking? He's asking, as he proclaims the message, he's saying, help me preach the message. Help me preach that message. You go, yeah, amen. No, 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 this is the very thing that got him in prison. Can you imagine? He's saying, hey, help me be in prison more. That's not what he said. No, 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 think about it. The very message had brought him to jail. He says, I'm an ambassador in chains is really a, a just a peculiar uh, title, and yet that's exactly what Paul says. He says, listen, I don't know if you know this, but I'm chained to a different Roman soldier every six hours. Paul goes, guess what? They're going to know about Jesus. Can you imagine? Oh, please, 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 change, please. Uh, take my shift. I don't, I'm tired of hearing Paul talk about Jesus. please. Listen, I'll give you two Snickers and a Powerade. Please take, take my... And that's exactly what he was. And yet there were other people going, I'll take your shift. I want to hear more about this Jesus. And then, and then you don't know this, but Roman soldiers were saved. And they're going, I'll do it. Paul, tell me more. Oh, it, was like a, it was like an amazing Bible study every time. Paul, tell me. What was it like on the road to Damascus? I've got to tell you, it was a hot day, much like Lubbock, 106. And, and, and he tells you, and you're just like, wow, what did he look like? And, and what's the hope? He goes, man, listen, I know you're, I know you're a Roman soldier, but if, if you're a believer, oh, Paul, I'm a believer. He goes, you're going to be in heaven one day. You and I get the privilege of walking through heaven, and we're going to run into these guys and say, hey, so how'd you get here? Oh. I was chained to Paul. I was chained to Paul, and he told me about Jesus. Is that cool? But we too are chained. You go, what do you mean? We're chained to different people every day. Oh, not in prison, but you're chained to people at work. You see, God beautifully designed the people that you work with And there you are. 
There you are. Guys, we're chained to people at leisure, the people we hang out with. Here's my encouragement to you. Pray for the boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray in the Spirit, but make sure the timing's right. The people you work with, the people you work with, they're going, oh, they don't want to be like, oh, man, every time. Listen, you and I as believers can have normal conversations about life. We can. And we're sensitive to the Spirit to be able to go, oh, by the way, And you know when we're annoying somebody to back off and let the Holy Spirit do the work and not pound them and pound. Listen, your zeal for God is amazing because you want to see people saved. But we have to be sensitive to the Spirit and we go, okay, Lord, right now I'm annoying them and that, and they're they're not, they're not going to come. They're turning. I was listening to a radio program, I think Radio by Grace Saturday, whenever, sometime. And, um, and it was, it was one of those stories that, you know, how you listen to, and it's, it's dramatized and everything, so I'm just listening. And the girl, the lady, had gotten saved, and she had a younger roommate who she loved, and she kept putting pamphlets, she kept putting tracts in her purse, she kept putting, and she annoyed her so much that it was like, there was, there was tension. And I thought, that's a great illustration. We've got to be sensitive. We want them saved, but I don't want them turned off God because of me. You go, well, what should I do? You ready? Live your life with the gospel. Don't apologize for praying for your meals. Don't apologize for reading your Bible when you want to read it. Don't apologize for for being joyful and bubbly and happy. Don't apologize. Just be you. And somebody goes, hey, something different about you. What is it? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Come on, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Be sensitive to those who have been beaten by others with the Bible. Be sensitive. Pray for those at your job. Pray for family members. Pray for your buddies. Pray for your friends. These are all, okay, Lord, I just pray. Just pray. I'm just praying. That's close. I'm going to close our study with just a quick recap. Number one, we're spiritually wealthy. We are blessed. Now walk worthy of Jesus. Walk worthy. Over in John, it says that we ought to walk as Jesus walked. Can you imagine being um, people being confused? That I mean, you you walk so much like Jesus. Are you Jesus? No, but I walk like Him. I want to walk and I want to honor Him. You go, Ben, that's silly. It is silly because we'll never walk like Jesus. But, but the, the point John tells us is, is that that should be our goal. That we shouldn't have WWJD, what would Jesus do, but that we'd actually do what Jesus does. We'd live that way. That's the, that's the first thing. But also know, also know that you have an enemy that wants to see you sitting in the corner ineffective for Jesus. Ineffective. We are at war. And spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. 
As the worship team come back, let me give you these. What do we have? We have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shoes of the gospel. We have the shield of faith. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the spirit. And we're praying. We're praying. What does that mean? Ready? We're praying loud. We're praying soft. We're praying internal. We're praying with a group. We're just praying. We're constantly praying because that's our weapon. And that's what's going to get us to be and win the battle. Can I get a good amen? Amen. It doesn't matter. Ready? Just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your mercy, your grace, and your love. We thank you, Lord, for the gift, the weapon of prayer. Lord, we pray that you would help us stay awake for the battle, that we'd be watchful, that we would see the things that are trying to invade our homes, the things that are trying to invade our lives, and that we would be watchful and praying. Father, the only way we can do this is we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. And so we're asking you today, Lord, do a work. Do a work in our hearts and in our lives today. Thank you for the gift of prayer. Father, if there's anyone here who has felt short and fallen short of of a prayer life, that today they would just make that commitment to pray. Lord, I'm going to enhance my prayer life. I'm going to pray more to you. I'm going to get a prayer journal. I'm going to just really, I'm going to seek these things that, that pray. Lord, I'm going to be a prayer warrior for your kingdom. I pray that we would make that step. Lord, this is how we're going to be strong, is in prayer together. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and and you're not right with God. As a matter of fact, you came here today or you're watching online and and here's what you're thinking. Pastor, you were saying some stuff and you were talking about a relationship and rules and all this stuff. And you know what I came to realize? I came to realize that I don't know if I have a real relationship with you. And if, you, and if I'm being honest, Pastor, I feel like I'm, I'm oceans away from God right now. Like I feel like he's so far. But here's the good news. You might feel like he's far from you, but you're one decision from coming back to him. And let me say this to you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he stands with his arms open wide for you to say yes to him. And it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, only that you come back to him with open arms. You know, Ben, how do I do that? In a minute, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. And by you raising your hand, here's what you're saying to God. God, I'm ready to surrender today. Every bit of me, from the tip of my toes to the top of my head, Lord, I want you. I repent of my sins. I'm turning from the world. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I'm ready to surrender to you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I'm going to lift up my hand because I really, I really want that. God bless you, brother. God bless you. I see you to my right. Anyone else? 
I really, I really want to be saved and walking with you completely, 100%. Would you just lift up your hand right now? I'm going to pray for you. I see you, brother, to my right. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you, sister. I see you to my left. Anyone else? Just want to give you an opportunity. God bless you guys. Father, I pray for these hands that were raised. You see their hearts, God. You see their hearts. You see that this is not, hey, I came to church. This is a real This is a real thing from your Holy Spirit, saving your people. And so, Lord, I pray for my brother to my right, my sister to my left, and I pray that today they would surrender their lives to you. That it wouldn't be um, an emotional decision, but, but, Lord, an intellectual, a spiritual decision to follow you forever. And if you're serious about, about your you're following God, would you, would you just pray this prayer with me? Those of you that raised your hand, would you say, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for my sin. I fully acknowledge I'm a sinner and in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus, you came and died on the cross to reconcile me back to you. And all I have to do is believe. And so I confess my sin to you, Lord. I am a sinner. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I believe you're coming back for me. And I believe in a very powerful, wonderful relationship with the God that created me. And so with that belief, Lord, I'm asking you one thing. Would you come in my heart? Would you just come into my heart? And would you be my Lord? Would you be my God? Would you be my Savior? And would you be my friend? I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, let's welcome him to the family of God. We love you, we love you, we love you. And if it's not too much, if you go, hey, I I prayed that prayer, and, and you want to solidify that with even being baptized today, we welcome you to do that. You go, what's baptism? It's an outward sign of an inward change. And so if God changed your heart today, we welcome you to do that. What do I have to do? Just come tonight. Show up, sign up, and say, hey, I'm here. I want to be baptized. God bless you guys. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.